Welcome once again to another edition of the OASBO podcast. Joining me today is Associate Executive Director Barbara Shainer. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit today uh, not only about the budget, where we are eyeball deep in what's going on there, but in addition we're going to talk about the ESSA uh, Collaborative. We're going to cover the CAUV uh, bill that was introduced, and also some uh, new things happening at SERS that our members will want to be uh, aware of. So without further ado, um, Barbara, welcome. Thanks, Chris. It's good to be here. All right. I know you've been working with a collaborative of organizations on ESSA. What's the latest news regarding the state's proposed education plan in response to ESSA, and what has the collaborative been up to? Well, Chris, uh, you may recall that the last time we talked, there was a new plan that had been drafted by the Department of Education to comply with the ESSA um, bill that had passed in the legislature in Congress a year and a half ago. Ohio is required to submit, submit a new plan for education and what our education system will look like. Uh, the uh, department had put out their draft for comment, and hopefully our members have been commenting on the web uh, version of the public comment um, area for the plan. But members may have seen a lot of pushback out in the field from the plan that was proposed because you uh, may have actually even attended one of the regional forums that the Department of Education held around the state to get feedback from the public. Those were very well attended, and there was a lot of discussion. Two or three areas uh, came up as priorities, one being reducing the level or the amount of testing that our students have. Uh, The second one is the understandability, I guess if that's a word, uh, of our report card, the school district report cards, because we have an A to F system, but it's not clear to everyone exactly, you know, what does an A or a C mean for a school district. Uh, that's the, the second issue. The third issue has to do with teacher evaluations and the way that we are currently evaluating the success of teachers. And um, most folks at these, um, these, some, these um, meetings, the feedback meetings, were concerned about the way we do it today and they wanted to see a change. So the expectation was when the draft plan came out uh, for public view that it would contain some changes that were related to all of these things, among other uh, items that were uh, brought up in the meetings. However, the plan that ODE has presented really is very basic and has um, very much the same system that we are in today. They don't recommend a lot of changes. They don't particularly make changes related to testing or the teacher evaluations or the report card. Um, so there has a lot, been a lot of pushback from the field. Our group, which is a collaborative of eight different organizations, has been meeting regularly. We have meet, a meeting on Monday, uh, March 6th, with the Department of Education to 
discuss specific things that we would like to see in the plan, but the debate seems to be at the level of whether the plan really needs to contain all of these things or if the department has said they just want to submit a compliance document and then we can make the changes later. Uh, In particular, there are things that would have to change in the Ohio Revised Code to do some of the things people are requesting, and I think the department is concerned about making that part of the plan until the legislature has acted. So uh, it's just become a bit of a debate. The Joint Education Oversight Committee in the legislature yesterday had testimony. There were people, there were superintendents and a teacher that came in and said, we think this plan has really missed an opportunity and we wouldn't like to see, let's postpone our submission to the feds until we have it right. So that's kind of where things stand. Our groups, again, are uh, working together to try to give input to the department and we will keep members informed as we go. Great. Thank you for that update. We'll uh, look forward to more information on that after your March 6th meeting. Um, Moving on, it looks like the sponsor of the legislation to lower the current agricultural use values has introduced the legislation again in the new General Assembly. Can you give us a status or an update on that, Bill? Yes, it's Senate Bill 36. It's a um, proposal to reduce current agricultural use values, and that is something that we've opposed in the past and will continue to oppose. Members, we may all have sympathy for some of the increases in property taxes that farmers are facing or have faced over the past few years. However, uh, we do know that there are problems with just making an adjustment to the formula for CAUV uh, to lower the values because this will result in a shift uh, in tax burden at the local level to other residential taxpayers. Um, The other thing that it can mean is actually less money for those school districts that have uh, ag values within their uh, property values, and that's a concern. Uh, The other uh, side issue that we've encountered is that with the current state share index calculation of the formula, Districts that have no ag value at all would actually appear wealthier as a result of the reduction of agriculture value, which means that they would get less state aid. So we have a concern all the way around about making this change. We will be testifying with OSBA and BASA next Wednesday, the 8th, uh, in the Senate Ways and Means Committee in opposition to the bill. And we will be sharing with them that we think that if they're going to make a change, that they need to have a total review of the CAUV formula and not just uh, propose or not just make a change to the formula for one area uh, that would actually result in reductions uh, that comes actually from the um, industry itself. We want to see a more independent review of the formula if they're going to make changes. Great. Thank you. We look forward to seeing your testimony on that on the 8th. Um, To the next topic, we know that the SERS board board, has voted to change the cost of living adjustment for retirees. Can you give us a rundown of the proposal and its status and what that means for our members? 
Well, the proposal was voted on by the SERS Board of Trustees. However, uh, it will take a legislative change to actually enact the proposal. Uh, the change would make uh, a difference to people that have already retired and also anybody that is going to be newly retired in the future. It takes the cost of living adjustment, and uh, it's currently at a 3% rate that would actually go away, and we would have a cost of living adjustment that goes from zero to point, or excuse me, two point five percent, and it would be tied to this the uh, CPI. So whenever that goes up or down, the there would be an automatic change in the cola, and then the the uh, SERS board is requesting that the legislature give them authority that if there would be some time when they would feel the need to go above 2.5, the SERS board would have the ability to make that adjustment on their own. But in addition to the change in the rate, the other thing they're proposing is to actually suspend the COLA, or the cost of living adjustment, uh, for three years. So anybody that retired before January of 2018 would um, have a three-year suspension in they would not receive a, a COLA adjustment um, for th three, three years of their retirement payments. If somebody is retiring after that date, of course, there's a year uh, lag anyway, because once you retire, then a year later, you would typically get the COLA adjustment. But newly retired people after the effective date uh, will not see that new, they will see the new COLA or the COLA uh, come into effect on the fourth anniversary of their retirement. So essentially, everybody loses three years of COLA adjustment. So that's what the proposal is. We've had members talking with SCRS about this. And again, we have a meeting scheduled coming up uh, on March 13th, where we're taking a group of folks to go in and talk with SCRS, asking some more questions about the need to go to this proposal and what it really does uh, mean for the system and why it's why they believe it's necessary. And so we'll report back to our membership after we have that meeting. Great, thank you. All right, moving on to the budget, the state budget. Um, I know there's a lot going on there uh, this month, next month, and, and continuing until uh, the end of June. What are the areas of the proposed school funding formula formula that are concerning. Um, what are you going, I understand you're going to be testifying here soon. So can you tell us what, uh, what areas concern you and what you and the other groups will be testifying on? Well, Chris, it is uh, a tough budget this time around because what uh, is happening at the state level is that the state revenues are coming in slower than people had hoped. They have already adjusted the current year projections for revenues down uh, actually several times, and we expect that to happen again after we get the figures for this month. But for the coming biennium, there is expected to be some growth in revenues, but not at a very fast rate, which means that for the budget itself, unless they do something to raise additional revenue, we're in a very tight budget. And knowing the legislature and the governor as we do, we don't expect uh, them to propose something or to enact something that raises a, a lot of additional revenue. So um, 
the proposal that we see that the governor has made for the school funding formula has two or three things that we are concerned about. One is um, they are proposing to reduce funding for districts that are on a guarantee if they have a reduction in uh, pupil enrollment. And they've taken a five-year period, and if you have lost more than 5% in enrollment over that five years, you're going to lose incrementally uh, one percentage point for each additional percentage over five that you have lost. And so that's going to affect districts. Um, the other thing that is affecting them from a guarantee perspective is that we are seeing the proposal have only flatline funding for per-pupil aid and for all of the categoricals. So the per-pupil amount was $6,000 in FY17, which is the current school year. It would remain such for the next two years. So there would be no inflationary increase in the per-pupil amount or the other components of the formula. Well, this means that districts are going to probably be on a guarantee because they're not going to see any natural growth in state aid. And so this puts more people or more districts in jeopardy for having that reduction if they've seen enrollment loss. So those are a couple issues. The other one that is concerning is the transportation formula. There's a significant amount of money uh, taken out of the line item for transportation because of the changes they're making to the formula. And I think over half the districts in the state would lose transportation funds. So we've, uh, we've got some concerns about just the fact that not only are we not seeing very high increases in the funding formula, we're seeing people actually have less money. Compounding the problem is the fact that we are, we have several districts that are still seeing a phase out of the tangible personal property tax replacement payments. And so when you take, have, look at the net effect of that, um, we have even more districts that are going to have less money to work with going forward. So all of these things will be covered in our testimony. And uh, we, I think we did send something out to the membership related to the uh, net effect of the proposal that uh, was created by Dr. Howard Fleeter for the Ohio Education Policy Institute. So hopefully people have a lot of good information about what's happening. Uh, so the next step is for us to be sharing all of that with the legislature, and we hope our members are doing the same thing. Uh, Chris, the final thing about the uh, budget that's being proposed really is not new in this proposal or in the governor's budget, but it is uh, the changes that we're seeing in the state share index because of changes in valuation that have occurred across the state. It's making, uh, it's causing a shift in wealth from one district to another as far as how they appear uh, based on that calculation. And we do that calculation or we have been doing that calculation every two years. And of course, in a budget year is when that happens. And so if your district has had a major change, it's going to really affect how you look uh, in the formula. And so with the combination of things, with the flatlining of the components of the formula, the reduction in, in transportation funding, a change in the SSI, and then, of course, the, um, the reduction for those districts that are on the guarantee, there are lots of things that people, I think, need to be talking about. 
Great. Thank you. Uh, given the concerns about the formula that you've listed, what are your thoughts about the proposed reductions in funding for districts on the guarantee? Well, we do not support a reduction for any district over what they had in previous years. Uh, the argument that the administration is making is that they should not be paying for students that are no longer in a district. And so when there is a loss of enrollment, the justification for reducing funding is that you don't have those students to educate any longer. But our um, position is that if they did not have enough money to begin with to fund their students, then you it's really a hard thing to um, say that they they really have too much money to to spend. Um, and the things that we've already talked about today, you know, the fact that we're sticking with a six thousand dollar per pupil amount would then, I guess, make the case itself that doing that has put more districts on the guarantee, uh, and and then. That can lead to the fact that, you know, maybe they didn't have enough money for their students that are left. Uh, so it's, it's a hard thing to justify, we think, until you can really say that we're adequately funding those students. There has been no, for many, many years, there has been no attempt to calculate what it actually costs to educate um, a basic student or an average student. And so when you haven't done that, it's hard to justify that folks are getting too much money uh, just because they've lost some students. Barbara, what is the administration saying about the budget reserves that districts are showing in their five-year forecasts? Well, yesterday in the uh, House Primary and Secondary Subcommittee of the um, Finance Committee, uh, Tim Keene, who is the director of OBM, was testifying uh, to explain the provisions that are in House Bill 49, uh, which is the governor's budget proposal, and he made the case that districts can afford to withstand the cuts that they are proposing or the reductions in funding because they find many districts have what they are considering to be high uh, fund balance reserves left at the end of the year and even uh, looking out in later years for the at the five-year forecast. Uh, so we think that districts need to be talking to their own legislators about why they have a fund balance and what they expect to do with that fund balance. Um, there are good reasons for why districts should have a fund balance. And we also make the point that this is their rainy day fund and it should be considered one-time money. Obviously, there it has to be some judgment exercised over what level that should be. But it should not be used, we think, uh, to justify cuts in state funding because it is a shared funding uh, system and the state has a certain responsibility. If, they, if the state chooses to take funds away from a district and they have to use their reserves to make that up, that really does not sustain itself going forward. So the operations that they're trying to, to um, take care of in a given school year cannot be funded by those those um, reserve funds in the second year or third year going out. So that's kind of our position on that. And we urge people to be justifying what they're doing with those funds. 
Great. Thank you, Barbara. You provided such good information as you always do. I wanted to remind our listeners that the bulk of our budget discussion uh, and presentations will happen on Friday at the annual workshop. So that is April 28th. Uh, you'll want to stick around for the third general session. We have um, Aaron Rausch, we have Dr. Howard Fleeter, and we have Mike Sobel all presenting on the budget and the formula uh, on Friday. So if you haven't uh, decided to stay over yet Thursday night to stay for Friday, please do that. You will not want to miss this information. So again, I want to thank Barbara, uh, Barbara Shainer, our Associate Executive Director, for her fantastic information, and we look forward to speaking to you next time on the next edition of the OASBO podcast. Have a great week.